0: Thank you, Jonathan. What a joy. What a privilege to be here. Um, I do want to first say of how deeply remorseful and sorry that I am about Jonathan with you and your family, about Reagan. She was an amazing woman. Many of us as a church have carried that weight, and so my deepest... Respect and love for you and your family in this church. And um, it's one thing as we continue to mourn, but we continue to celebrate. Mm-hmm. We celebrate the amazing life. And um, I know that Reagan and my wife would be the first to look upon us and cheer us on and say, Man, we're just getting started. Yeah. God's doing amazing things, and it's so exciting what he's doing. Uh, Pastor Jonathan did not mention is that when he came, he was at a training school when he was a young buck, and back in the day, there was all these competitions all the time, and it was always the old guys versus the young guys. And, you know, these little young whippersnappers think that they can do something, and we just destroyed them. (laughs) So just a little dose of humility that the old guys still will... Take you out, but um, anyway, what a what a game last night! Yeah. Are you are you stinking kidding me? What a game last night with K State! You know, I was on a, I was um, I've been on a prayer call since the pandemic, uh, every morning at eight o'clock. Uh, well, when I can with a, a team of people across the country and intercessors and different things and. They were praying for me as I was driving here, knowing I was speaking today, and, and one of my guys said, oh my gosh, did you watch that game last night? I go, no, what happened? He goes, K-State in Oklahoma, you didn't see the game? What? I thought you were a football fan. I go, I, I was in Lawrence, I didn't watch it. Well, he goes, well, K-State came back and beat them, and this, and he, he stopped himself in this prayer call. He said, I believe it's a prophetic sign of breakthroughs of what God wants to do. New beginnings, new opportunities. You know, when it's a beautiful thing when no one gives you a chance. And you come out of nowhere. And you see things that, that go beyond your, your uh, ability to maybe even comprehend. And I'm not saying that's, that's the case. Now, that's the case with KU. I mean, KU has... I've been coming to KU for 30 years, and they stink. And yesterday, they had a sellout crowd of 47,000, and they're 4-0. Oh, I mean, Jesus must be coming back. He must be coming back. And he's probably coming back soon. Um, but... <laughs> As Jonathan was saying, you know, as you as you look back in life, the journey of ministry, I've now been in ministry since I got saved as a college student back in 1987. It's been over 35 years that I have given my life to go on campuses. I've probably been on 300 universities all over the world, and just it never gets old. And this is, I, I mean, I remember coming when Jonathan, Started the church here 20, how many years ago? 16 years ago. I was here that first year. I was on K-State walking the campus, believing God, praying and speaking in the union and different things like that. And so as you see the journey, it's, it's, it's really an amazing thing of the adventures. You know, let me tell you something. God is into adventures. He's into things to woo us and wow us and think, and, and to shock us into, man, this is not boring, but this is exciting. And you know, as a, I I was a I was a college athlete, and uh, at a pretty high level, and I was very grateful of many of those experiences. And so many times we think of, you know, the things that I learned as an athlete are so. They, they line up with the kingdom so much about teamwork and, and, and dreaming and, and discipline and, and all those kind of things. But so many times that there's situations all through life we just try to get by with the minimum. And we try to just, man, I just want to be on the team. Or I just want to wear the jersey. Or I just want to, I want to be in the cool group. Well, let me tell you something. I want to play in the game. I mean, I don't want to be on the. I don't want to just wear the jersey or be on the team. Coach, put me in the game. And I believe that that's a lot of what God is stirring in us today. Because no matter what we hear with what's going on around us, God is moving in a generation. I was at Grand Canyon University about two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I was there on campus and different things, and one of my coaching friends that I've had a relationship with 30 years, he was talking about what was going on at Grand Canyon and different things. He said, listen, Greg, you don't, you don't understand. He said, our chapel services every week that are not mandatory, there are six to 7,000 students fighting for chairs, fighting for to hear a message, fighting for what God is doing, and let me tell you something: No matter what's going on around, whether it's public or private, there are people on this campus hungry and waiting to hear about the things of God. Waiting in our neighborhoods, waiting anxiously, waiting to see what the message that you've got—you know—you've got to say. So, I remember my first mission trip. Uh, I was a campus minister at UCLA back. Um, back in the '90s, uh, and I was on campus at UCLA, and someone challenged me to go on go on a mission trip. And you know, here I'm. You know, I'm an American, and there's so much going on. There's so many needs around me, and all this. But they kept challenging me, saying, "Look, you need to go on mission." So I took 13 college students. It was in, in the summer of 1995, and I went to Manila, Philippines. And let me tell you something, I saw things that I'd only read about. I saw miracles, I saw signs and wonders, I saw people getting saved by the hundreds, and I was overwhelmed of that experience. And the second night I was there, I remember looking up to heaven, and I said, God, I'm going to go to the nations, and I'm going to take people with me. And that was in 1995, and 27 years later, 65 trips, 17 nations, and over 3,000 people from 7 years old to 78 years old, raising millions of dollars to get outside our comfort zone of Manhattan and go to the nations. So if you have a title for for my message this morning, you know here's another thing, is that when you have relationship... And in our circles, and Jonathan found out that I was going to, I was at K, I'm coming to KU this week. We've got a big event this week at campus. And he calls me like three days ago. He goes, Tip, what are you doing? Why don't you come Sunday morning? And then he, he sends you a message this morning Hey, do you have a PowerPoint? Do you have this? No, I don't have a PowerPoint. I can't even show you my family and all this. My girls are doing great. They've got great husbands. i got a four-year-old grandbaby that I can't show you. I've got a one-year-old grandbaby that I can't show you. But the great news is my youngest, Courtney, is pregnant with twins. So we're going from two to four, the double portion, baby. So I'm believing for a double portion. You know, so many times that when we hear things that are happening, and the great thing about the flow of this, there's no clock. I haven't even looked at my. I haven't even started yet. I'm, this is a good little introduction of what's going on. But uh, see, I'm trying to be like Brandon, be a little joke, but it doesn't work sometimes. You just gotta, you just gotta go with it. Um, so my children, the, the double portion, the blessing. God is. God is so faithful and so good that I just want to get on the bus. I just want to get on the bus. Because He's driving and I'm just putting my head out the window and just, come on baby, let's go. But that time of of living, and so if you have a title for my message this morning, it's to live on mission. So often we think that, man, you know, what the mission, missionaries, you know, those are for the professionals. Those are for the full-time staff. Those are for those that have these titles. You know, let me tell you something. God wants all of us to live on mission. He wants us to be so consumed and grateful for what He's done in our hearts as Peter and John said, I cannot stop speaking what I've seen and heard. That's really the story of my life. Is that there's so many times as we go through our journey, that's you you begin to see people say, ask me, man, what's your favorite chapter? What's your favorite, man? I'm just those things that that are foundational bricks in my heart that when I get saved or when I when I experience something. I just put a root down in there, and that one of those roots—it was what Peter and John said. I cannot stop speaking. And I love what Pastor Jonathan said earlier today. He said, "You know, man, he's more on fire today." And you know, let's—you know—let's not listen. It's for all of us. Whether you're crazy and loud and Type A like me, or whether you're just a sweet behind-the-scenes intercessor that fights and believes, or someone that could break down the word, or someone that that loves doing their community group and, and reaching out to their neighbors. Let me tell you something. Every joint supplies. And a lot of times that we just, we come together and we celebrate the differences of all of us because God is after all of us. And as we think of this thing about living on mission, you know, I'm going to look at Matthew 9:36 to 38 this morning. For those of you who've been around me any time long, it's, uh, it, for any time, I love alarms. I have alarms on my phone that go off, the reminders. And there was a missionary from um, somewhere in Eastern Europe that I'd met probably 9 to 10 years ago. And his, we were in a staff meeting, and his phone went off at 9.38. And I asked him, I said, "What? why is that? He said, I'm praying Matthew 9.38 right now. And so my personality is I took that and I ran with it, and I have literally invited thousands of people. And there are probably hundreds of people every day when they're that they set their alarm at 9.38. And they pray, Matthew 9.38, Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Beseech the Lord of the harvest. Cry out to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Send out from the Greek word ekbalo, which really means the sending them out with force and power. It's the same word that Jesus used It's the same word that Jesus used when He cast the devil out into the swine. Into the pigs who jumped off the cliff. There was a a forceful, violent thrust that as Jesus cast the devil out, it's the same word that He uses of casting us out into a generation that's waiting to hear from us. So the harvest is plentiful. The workers beseeching the Lord to send out workers so... Before we get all the way there, Matthew chapter 9 has been in one of my life chapters when, when Jesus captured my heart. And there's so much action in Matthew chapter 9. You know, when I got saved, when I surrendered my heart to Jesus, when I prayed that dangerous prayer, God, I don't know how I'm going to change, but take my life and here I am. The simple prayer of surrender. The simple prayer of, Lord, don't leave me out. The simple prayer is that. And so, when I got saved, I literally prayed, Lord, I want action. And there's not much more action than Matthew chapter 9. We start off in Matthew, in in, in verse 2, where the paralytic is healed. In Matthew 9, 12, and 13, it's when... And when he called Matthew and sent him out, we got the miracles, uh, the questions about fasting and the new wine in verse 14, the miracles of healing in verse 18. And with this miracle, I was reading this the other, the other day, and with this miracle in verse 18, it's one thing to follow Jesus, it's a whole nother thing that when Jesus stops and follows you, it's one thing to, to believe God and follow Jesus and, and pray for miracles and signs and wonders and all these things, but look what happened in Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. And again, we probably don't have a slide, but just stay with me. My, point, my prayer today is not that maybe that you would get all these points or this, my prayer is that there would be an impartation that something would happen and awaken your heart to the call of God on your life. So if we have to, we'll get somebody to, to give us scriptures and all that kind of stuff or I'll send Jonathan my notes later and we can do whatever, but that's not but l- l- listen here in Matthew chapter 9 verse 18. While Jesus while he was saying these things, there came a synagogue official. He came and bowed down before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. And verse 19 is one of the most exciting verses in the Bible. Jesus got up and began to follow him. Jesus, the Son of God, The resurrected one got up and followed a man who invited him to do something. And as you really think about it, Jesus did that. From that moment forward, the floodgates opened because Jesus saw a people that not only believed, but that put their faith and trust into action. Lord, I mean, Lord, my... This My daughter of mine, she's dying. And if you would come, she's going to get healed. And so he got up and followed her. I believe that Jesus is waiting for us to have a dream and a request and a a mountain to climb or a, a challenge that's too big for us and say, Lord, just come with me. Follow me. And so he got up and followed Him. Put their faith in action. Or I like to say, He made a choice to live on mission. Are you living on mission? That's the question this morning. Whatever, wherever we're at today, are, is your life on mission? When was the last time you engaged or prayed for a stranger? Romans 8 verse 9 says, For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Listen to how the Passion Translation says it. It says the entire universe is standing on their tiptoes, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. It's like the the, the creation is standing up just waiting and saying, where where are they? Who's really living this? Can I really, can I really be free? Can there really be a hope and a promise and 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 a blessing for my life? Can I see Jesus in the flesh? Is it really working You know, my marriage is a disaster, but oh my God, how do you have such a great marriage? Why do your kids love you? Why do they still want to hang out with you? And they're waiting. They're anxiously waiting. Are we living on mission? Then we get to verse 20 with the woman with the issue of blood. She's healed. He raised the synagogue official's daughter. Two blind men were healed in verse 27. A mute, demon-possessed man was healed in verse 32. I mean, action after action after action. And I believe what Jesus was doing, He was laying it all out there saying, Man, you, if you would just look around and see, the harvest is plentiful. People are waiting And he gets to verse 35, and he leads the way, and he shows us. He said, if you want to live on mission, this is how we live on mission. Follow me, just do what I'm doing, and watch what happens. Jesus was going throughout all the cities and villages. He was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Jesus, after He's talking about all these miracles and all these things that were going on, I believe He gives us a blueprint of how we're supposed to live on mission. He was going. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Don't leave me out. He was teaching, or as I like to say, he was imparting his life. He was just giving, he was imparting his life. He was teaching them truths and principles of what he was doing. He was just going and he was just among the people and just teaching them. It was his life message. He was going, he was teaching, he was proclaiming. Man, there's moments that we just engage people and we, we just love on them and we impart to them. But then there's moments where you got to proclaim. you got to be bold. I remember the gentleman that led me to the Lord, Dr. Brooks, Rice Brooks. He said, man, you don't share the gospel. You share ice cream. He said, you preach the gospel. You preach it unhindered, unashamed, with boldness and courage. And Jesus, I believe, is laying it out. He said, Man, you got to go. You just got to sign up and say, Here I am and go. You got to teach. You got to impart. You got to proclaim and be bold. And then what did he say? He says, and then, and then he was healing every kind of disease. Let me tell you something. If the gospel does not consist in just persuasive words, But it says it's a demonstration of the Spirit of God and of power. That our faith doesn't rest upon the wisdom of men, but on God's power. And there's times that we need a miracle or a healing or something that goes beyond our senses for people to really the coin to drop and see. All these things. And that's what Jesus was doing. And then at verse 36, so He lays out all these things that were happening, all this action. He gives us a blueprint of how we're to do it. To go, to teach, to proclaim and to heal. And then we come here to verse 36. And He said, seeing the people. you ever sit back and shut your eyes and just say, Lord, let me see the people as you see them? Scripture says that seeing the people, he was moved with compassion. Because they were distressed or depressed, or whatever, whatever term you want to use, in the in 2022 you can put all these mental challenges in this that he was seeing the people because why because they were like sheep without a shepherd he saw the brokenness he saw their pain he saw all of those things were going how do you see people That's another question for this morning, is how do we really see people? Not looking at them with a critical eye or a judgmental eye, but do we see them with the heart of a Father, with the heart of compassion? Do you put yourself in their situation where you have empathy? Empathy. Where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what they're going through. Instead of just being fed up with the way they're driving or maybe the type of day that they're having and all this. But do we, are we moved with compassion? How do we see those who God puts around us? Are you burdened with what the Father is burdened for them for? Do you love the things that he loves, and do you hate the things that he hates—the injustices that are around? I remember early on as a Christian, I was still—I uh, had just finished up my senior year playing, and I was getting ready for the draft. And I—I I was in the locker room. I was in our football locker room, and it was. Uh, you know, I had already I had already finished, and I was just in there. I was in there showering, working after a workout and my training, and the locker room was full. And all of a sudden, the chatter started. And one of our one of the um, one of the significant players on the defensive line was talking about how he was messing with this girl. You know, he was braggadociously talking about this. And if any of you have ever been in a competitive athletic locker room, you know, it's pretty, pretty vile and different things. And it was a lot, uh, there was some hype going on. And I felt like, I felt the Holy Spirit just pierce my heart and convict me by, and just really challenge me. He said, when are you going to stand up? And I walked over to this gentleman who was a monster of a man, and I looked at him in his face and I said to him, I said, let me ask you something, do you have a little sister? He said, yeah, I got a little sister. I said, what would you do if we talked that way about your little sister? He said, I'd go postal, I'd kick his A. And I said, well, that's somebody's little sister. And that's somebody's little girl. And I said, I wouldn't want to be you the day that you stand before God and give an account for your filth. And I thought I was going to get cocked. But the atmosphere of the locker room shifted. Because one guy who had had encountered Jesus four months before that, don't tell me you need, you know, you need to go to seminary and man, I don't know enough about God and I don't have enough, you know, that's just bull. All I know is that Jesus changed my life and I wanted to represent him. I didn't have the right words, I didn't have, but I had a willing heart because I was moved with compassion. Because I felt God's grief and compassion for a generation or for those that were around me, my teammates. And I tell you, I walked out of that, I walked out of that locker room shaking, thanking God that He didn't knock my head off. And I felt like something, I felt like the Lord marked my life that day. And He really marked my life. And the stamp that I felt like the Lord put on me was a stamp and it said, not for sale. And it went right on my forehead so that everybody could see it. That I was not going to be ashamed of the Gospel. And that I was going to love what He loved and hated what He hated. And if He would open up doors for me, then I was going to boldly walk through them And be his mouthpiece and his representative. What took place the next month is that locker, that my locker right there, it was like the counseling center. Guys on my team were coming up. Hey, Tip, dude, can you pray for me? Sure, what do you want me to pray? Well, you know, I just got caught cheating on a test, man. And, you know, I might lose my scholarship. I can't lose my scholarship. Yeah, I'll pray for you, idiot. Don't cheat. You know, don't do that. Go to class and, you know, learn this. Hey, Tip. <sighs> Tip, can you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray for you. What, what can I pray for? God, oh, my girlfriend, man, she might be pregnant. Man, I can't, I can't have a baby right now. Man, Tip, you got to pray for me. I, just, I need help and this kind of stuff. One by one by one. God began to bring people in my path because I took one step of courage and boldness. Now, when you see people or you move with compassion, and does that compassion move you enough, move you enough to take a stand? I believe that Jesus is inviting us to stand. And after we've done everything to do, we can stand again and stand some more. He said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Beseech the Lord to send out workers. Workers to do what? To go, to teach, to live life, to proclaim, and to heal. I have two questions for you this morning, as we close, and I'm going to pray for us. The question is to me, in this big scheme of thing, being on campuses and engaging students. The question to me is not, do people will people make a decision for Christ? I've seen hundreds make decisions for Christ, and it's not how high or it's not how high you jump. When all the emotion and all that go, but the question to me is how straight will you walk when you come down? And the question is not whether we've made that decision or prayed some kind of prayer of whether Jesus has forgiven us of our sin or you know, where we've made them Lord, is sighting and as wonderful as that is. The greatest gift and the greatest miracle is that miracle, that day that when Jesus changed our life. But my real question, has that prayer changed everything about you? Where you would use that moment to invite others into that saving, unbelievable, victorious, celebratory life that you walk in. I tell people all the time who go on missions with me, and one of the rules that I have with this, I lead a mission, an organization called One Week Missions where we go on mission all over. Some of you have gone with me. And the rule that I have is if you go on a mission trip with me, you cannot, under any circumstance, go on a second trip with me unless you bring somebody else. Because if it really changed your life, why would you keep it to yourself? And the thing about the Gospel, why, if you call yourself a Christ follower and you love Jesus with all of your heart, why would you keep that to yourself? Why would we keep the greatest gift and the greatest experience, the greatest encounter that we've ever had, why would we keep it to ourselves? That's when you know that the Gospel has penetrated your heart. When you say, God, here I am. Send me. Use me. Let me be though, let me be one of your chosen that live on mission, that live with passion, that live with purpose, that live desperately saying, God, I need you and I want all that you have for my life. That is my prayer this morning. That is my hope for this city, for this campus, and I believe that one of my friends who prayed for me this morning, that victory last night is nothing more than a sign from Heaven that God is wanting to bring us breakthrough. That God is wanting to bring breakthrough in your life, in your family, with your children, with your best friend from high school, that you've been praying for and believing for for a long time. I believe that now is the time for breakthrough. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna invite us in a simple prayer this morning. It's a prayer that basically is a prayer that I pray every day Jesus, I surrender. I can't do anything. But Lord, you can take my life and you can use me and you can you can do whatever you want. Just don't leave me out. Lord, light me on fire. Lord, put a fire in me that others could watch me burn. Let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, I just thank You for, Lord, this church, Your people, Lord, our families, our children. Lord, we're just so grateful for all that You're doing here. But Lord, we make a decision this morning And I just, I invite us to just build a little altar, just you and God, right now. Just have a little moment with the Lord and just let Him ask you that question. Lord, am I really living on mission for you? Am I unashamed of the gospel? Am I am I am I going and teaching and proclaiming and and healing? Jesus. I'm asking you today to light a fire in me that will never go out. Lord, I pray for the, as we look on this campus and see that by faith and to see the thousands of college students who are walking, who are anxiously standing on their tiptoes for us to be those men and women that would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, do this today, I pray. Lord, bre- bless my friend and his family as we continue through the journey of mourning and celebrating. Lord, help give us grace. Pour out a fresh grace to his, the Hupp family to all of us as a church. Lord, that we would go after all that You have for us. Lord, we love You. We worship You. And we thank You for this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. And Amen.